You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. The title of my message this morning is Salvation for All Who Believe. We're back in our Romans series for a week, <laughs> for a Sunday. Uh, we're not going to get through Romans in, uh, in this year, that's for sure. But um, we're in chapter 9, and uh, it's the 14th message of the series. We'll do the first part of chapter 9 today. Romans 9 gives us the context of Christ-like love for all the lost. And it's demonstrated by Paul in the first five verses. This chapter is not choosing individuals for salvation and, or, the, or destruction. God chose the nation of Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so that the whole world may be saved. Through Adam's seed, God, Abraham's seed rather, God would redeem the world. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 5 first. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. With Christ as my witness, I speak with other truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirms it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, the Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promise. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. And Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Heavenly Father, I ask today that you would just make this word real to our hearts. Lord, reveal yourself to us through this scripture today in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is voicing his great sorrow and his concern for Israel's spiritual condition. He would gladly give his own salvation so that they would be saved. That's what he said. The fact is that no matter how much Paul would have been willing to give his life or give his his own salvation for them, that was unnecessary. Because Jesus already paid the price for sin. The only requirement now is to believe. 
we understand Paul's concern that after so much had been done, after Jesus had paid the price, they still weren't getting it. They still weren't accepting what God had provided for them. Jesus already paid the price for sin. The only requirement now is to believe. Only believe. All things are possible to those who believe. No matter where, where you are at right now, in your spiritual walk, even if you don't have a spiritual walk, a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have made, may have done some despicable things that you wouldn't dare to mention in public. Jesus paid it all. And all I have to do and all that you have to do is to believe and to keep believing. Faith arises within your heart and within your soul. And you can know that you know that you know that everything is well with your soul, that if you were, your heart were to quit beating this very moment, you would go into the presence of God. That's an awesome realization to have. We must make the choice to believe in Jesus and receive him into our lives. In spite of her great heritage, Israel is not experiencing God's blessing. Because she has rejected God's plan of redemption, which is faith in Jesus Christ, believing in Jesus Christ. Remember, the last part of this portion of scripture that I just read says, He is God. The one and only ruler, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. And that brings us to my first point, and that is God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God. The Bible tells us that God thinks and does things differently than we do. His ways, the Bible says, is past finding out. Romans chapter 9, verse, verses 6 to 13, bears this out. Let me read it to you. You have it on the screen there as well. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? Paul says, no. For not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scripture says, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, 
I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chose people according to his own purpose. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. In the words of the scripture, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. So we see that being descendants of Abraham did not make them children of the promise. Remember Jesus' rebuke of the religious leaders who argued that Abraham is our father. They were basing this on the fact that they were descendants of Abraham. But do you remember what Jesus replied? In John chapter 8, verse 44 and 45, you are, of, you are the children of your father, the devil. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally won't believe me. And we see this in our own lives, don't we? There are so many times when the devil lies to us, when he brings situations into our lives and we form conclusions that are not scriptural at all. He lies to us and we... We Sometimes we fail and we believe those lies and it causes harm to us. Israel's failure is not evidence that God has failed to keep his word. In fact, Israel is still God's chosen nation in God's plan. The Jews who were a part of the covenant were those who came by faith. From God's promise to Abraham through Isaac, the son of promise. You see, faith is a very important thing in Christianity. Without it, you cannot please God, the Bible says. If you can't believe that God is, and that he created all things, and that he gave his only son to die on the cross so that you could be saved, and you cannot be saved any other way. Until you can believe that, it's hopeless for you. Eternity is hopeless for you. There's no hope in eternity. You can be as religious as you like. You can go to church every day of the week. You can pray to your blue in the face, but if you will not believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, you cannot and you will not, according to God's word, enter heaven. 
Your eternity is based upon faith in believing the word of God. Those who came through Ishmael were not a part of that promise, though Abraham was their father. You'll remember, I'll just give you a little background. Sarah said to Abraham, after a long time had passed, and it seemed that God had forgotten his promise, and Abraham was concerned that he would have to give all of his inheritance to his servant. And Sarah says, take my servant Hagar, and she will give you the promised heir. Because Sarah was barren. Sarah could not bear children. And God had promised an heir. And so, it, so, so Sarah figured out, well, this is one way we can do it. And Abraham agreed. And God said, Ishmael will not be your heir. They had a son with Hagar, but this wasn't God's plan. They called him Ishmael. And how often do we as Christians create an Ishmael in our lives where we try to make things happen? You've got the promise. You've got the prophetic word in your heart. And it's long coming. And so you decide you're going to do something about it. You're going to help God out here. And you find out that all you've managed to do is create an Ishmael. It's not God's plan. It's not God's way for your life. No matter how great your desire is, no matter how bad you want this thing, always check out with God. Always begin to read his word and to, and to pray and to seek his face because God's got a plan for you and anything outside of that is not going to work. And God don't bless an Ishmael in your life. God said, Ishmael will not be your heir. He's not the son I promised you. Sarah will bear you a son. Isaac will be your heir. That is my promise to you. God, don't make any mistakes. There's no oops with God. He knows from beginning to end. He's got a plan for my life and it's up to me to fit into that plan. He'll never twist my arm. When over 30 years ago I said yes to the Lord that I would become a minister of the gospel. He didn't force me to do that. He dropped it into my heart and I had to say yes. And then I had to act on that. God's predestined plan 
to fulfill his covenant with Abraham was through Isaac and Jacob. And this would be the seed of the covenant carried forward. Isaac marries Rebekah, and she bears twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, so he was the rightful heir. But you know what happened. Esau was supposed to have all of the the inheritance. And Isaac would be the servant. But God said that's not the way it's going to be. Because you know something? God is all-knowing, all-wise, all-seeing. And eternity with him is not a long time like we see it. What is it the Bible says? One day with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God saw Esau's heart before he was even born. God saw what was going to happen. He knew that he was going to despise his birthright. He was going to think so little of it that he would, he would just, he was hungry. I mean, he wasn't dying of starvation or anything like that. He had just been out hunting for a while, and he was tired, and he was hungry. But he didn't think any more of his birthright than to say to Isaac, Hey, listen, give me some of that soup, some of that pottage that you've made there, that stew, and you can have my birthright. You give me the, you, you satisfy my hunger, and I will give you all of my inheritance. And that's what he did. Well, after you get filled up on stew, you're feeling pretty good. Well, I didn't really mean that. Surely you're not going to hold me to that, Isaac. And how often do we dabble into things that are not what God wants us to be doing? We wake up to the consequence. And we just can't change it anymore. You know that God forgives sin, don't you? You know that no matter what you do, you can ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. Claim the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for your sin. And you can walk away a clean man, a clean woman. Regardless of what your sin was. But on this earth, there's a lot of things that we do that has terrible, terrible consequences. And this was a consequence that Esau had for despising what God had ordained that he would have. And God knew he would do that, and so that's why God could say, I have rejected Esau. 
He said, I love Jacob, but I rejected Esau. God sees things from eternity. As I said, for 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, but you, will, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. You say, I can't understand that? Well, that's okay. It's in the Bible. Believe it. When you come to things that you read in the Bible and you can't understand, just because you can't understand it, don't refuse it, don't reject it. Believe it. And ask the Lord to give you a, a greater understanding of it, but so many people are just led by what somebody else says. And so they, it seems more, makes more sense to them sometimes what Somebody else says, and they'll believe that rather than what God's word says. And if I've told you once, I've told you hundreds of times, don't just listen to me. Open up the Bible and read it for yourself. And those scriptures we have on the overhead is for, is for you to know where, where I got that from. But then if you go into the Bible and you begin to read it in context, and you begin to read it and, and cross-reference, you're going to find there's a whole lot that is said about that. It's not just one scripture in the Bible and then it's left alone. God's word is powerful. And you need it to have a victorious Christian life. Our God is all-powerful, all-seeing, and all-knowing. It should not be hard to understand that our lives are an open book to him. And that we don't do anything in secret. Even our most secret thoughts, our most secret deeds is open to him. Anyone who thinks that you, when you come to God and you say, Lord, I've sinned, they say, what, what did you do? What did you do? <laughs> he knows already. He just wants you to acknowledge it. It's for your own good that you confess your sin. You're not telling God something he don't know about you. Romans chapter 8, verse 29 and 30 says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And the key word there is God knew his people in advance. My life and your life is an open book to God. And he knows exactly what we're going to do. He knows how we're going to end up. But it doesn't affect anything that we do. The fact that God knows we still 
make the choices. You choose to serve him or you choose to reject him. That's up to you. That's not all. He knew us before we were conceived. Jeremiah 1.5 says, God said to Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nation. And Paul, in the New Testament, again speaks of God's foreknowledge in Galatians. In Galatians 1.15, Paul is speaking about himself, and he's saying something very similar to what Jeremiah said, and he says, But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Isn't that something? Romans 9, verses 14 and 29. Are we saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it, for the scripture says that God told Pharaoh, I've appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show his mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. God didn't force Esau to give up his birthright. He just knew that he would. And he knew what would happen. And therefore, he rejected Esau on that basis. God had no part in these two men making their own decisions. He just used their decisions to sovereignly choose what would happen in the lives of each of these men after they had made the choice. And it would be very foolish for you and I to say, well, what's the use? God has already made the decision. Well, the decision is made upon what your decision is. How are you going to decide? And so that brings me to my second point. God is the master potter. In Romans chapter 9, verses 19 to 29. Well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? And Paul replies in verse 20, no, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to, a being, human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another 
to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call, now call my people. And I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the same place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, though the people of Israel are as numerous as the sands of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. And Isaiah said the same thing in another place. If the Lord of heaven, heaven's armies, had not spared a few of our children, we would have been wiped out like Sodom and destroyed like Gomorrah. And this was all because of choice. God gave us all freedom of choice, free choice. We choose who we're going to serve. Paul declares that God is not unfair in his choice. He is absolutely sovereign in every decision. He is not any ordinary potter. He knows past, present, and future. Sometimes we sort of bring God down to our level. And we cannot see God in a greater light than we can see ourselves. Sometimes we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. And we think we know more than God. But let us come humbly before him. Let us treat him reverently with respect. The Bible calls it the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. He compares God to the potter who works clay into whatever he chooses. He has no right, we have no right to stand in judgment in what God does. He repeats this again, Paul repeats this again in 2 Timothy and it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you will be ready for the master's use to use you for every good work. Now let me, let me just point this out again. If you will keep yourself pure, 
That's the key. If you will keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil. You will be one of those, those special, those ex expensive utensils used for the special occasion that God has designed for you. You choose what you're going to be. Though God chose Israel to be his redemptive nation, they stumbled over Jesus, the Messiah. To them, the Bible says, he was a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They continued on trying to be righteous by the works of the law. And the Gentiles were made right with God by faith. That's how we become a part of the family of God, by faith. Jewish Christians come to Christ the same way, by faith today. What does all this mean? Romans chapter 9, verse 33, this is the last scripture. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standard, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting him, instead of living by faith. Over and over again in Romans, Paul is, is, is emphasizing how important it is that we live by faith. Amen? It's not by works of righteousness. If it was, we would all be boasting. We would be coming in on Sunday morning, and we would be having a boasting session. Look what I did this week. Wow. Did you see what I gave into the offering this morning? Did you hear about how I helped those poor people out there? but it's not by works, so we've got nothing to boast about. Amen? So by our own choice, 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 that's Newfoundland. That's, <laughs> by our own choice, we either accept or reject the predetermined plan of God that will bring us into a relationship with Jesus Christ. We do not believe that a person can be born again and yet decide to continue in sin. Now let me say that again. We do not believe, I don't see it in the Bible, how I can just say a sinner's prayer, and then live like the devil, and expect to go to heaven. That's an impossibility. That's a twisting of scripture. If you live as those who were never saved, you will not make it into heaven. You won't, neither will I. It doesn't matter what kind of letters are behind your name. You can call me a pastor, a reverend, or whatever. If I do not adhere to the Bible the same as you need to, if I do not do the same, I will never enter heaven. It doesn't matter how many years I've been a preacher. 
You've got to understand that, folks. We are living too loosely, too carelessly in this life. In this day and age, faith is something that is scorned, even by religious people. We've got to wake up. By your own choice, you can go back into the world and be eternally lost. I know it's comforting when your son or your daughter is not serving God. And you say, well, he, she prayed the sinner's prayer way back then. So they know God, but they're not serving him. As hogwash folks, if you've got a loved one that's not serving God, you need to be on your knees and praying. You need to be coming out to the house of God and getting people together and praying for that loved one until they're back into the fall. I know I'm treading on some toes this morning, but I don't care. I'm going to preach the word of God. We believe that the scripture teaches a conditional, we do believe that the scriptures can, teaches a conditional eternal security. Based upon our obedience and faithfulness to live according to the word of God. God has made an awesome promise in his word. It says, if we, he's talking to Christians and he says, if we sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The Bible also says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But if you sin, you've got to repent. You've got to stop it. If you continue on deliberately sinning, you're no more saved than if you, when you, the first time you ever came into a church and said the sinner's prayer. So I'm concluding with this. Let's never presume upon the grace of God. It's a terrible sin to presume upon God's grace. To say, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get drunk tonight. Sunday morning I'll come in and I'll ask Jesus to be my Savior all over again or I'll ask him to forgive me. Or I'm going to have an affair with that one that I just seem so attracted with. And then I'll ask God to forgive me. That's a terrible, terrible way to live. You're going to find yourself outside. You're going to be one of those foolish virgins. Jesus talked about, let us in. The door is shut. Lord, Lord, haven't we done miracles in your name? Lord, we've cast out devils. We've healed the sick in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. 
These, these words are not in Scripture just to fill up pages. This is God speaking to the hearts of people that he loves and wants to have them into his fold. In case you never read it, there is no sin going to enter heaven. And if a vast number of people who profess to be Christians today were ever to get into heaven, heaven would be hell. You would be better off to stay on earth. God is not going to allow that to happen. Fearful, the unbelieving, the drunkards, the sexually immoral, liars, adulterers. All of those who do these sort of things and never repent of it will have their part, the Bible says, in the lake of fire. where the fire is not quenched and the worm never dies. Eternal punishment. We don't talk about that much anymore either, but it's in the Bible. It hasn't changed. God's word is forever settled in heaven. What is good for, for 1,000 A.D. is still applying today. And it will never change. Many years ago, I made a choice to yield my life to Jesus. I accepted his love and his mercy and his grace. And I often have to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. You say, but you're a pastor. Yes, but I'm a human being. And I have to say over and over again, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for speaking out of turn. Forgive me for thinking that thought. And God has done the rest. And I can say with the hymn writer, he's made something beautiful out of my life. The song goes something like this, a verse of it. Something beautiful something good. All my confusion he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful out of my life. And he can do the same for you. Don't hide your sin. Don't cover your sin. Confess it. To him. He will forgive you. And you can have a brand new life. In Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you. If you need prayer today. If you need salvation. If you put on one of those cards. That you signed this morning. And said I've, I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. Why don't you come. Let's have a chat. Let me talk with you. Let me pray with you. You have other needs if you need healing in your body today. Whatever your need may be, 
We believe in a God who sees and hears and answers prayer. He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you today for your great love. We want to thank you, Lord, for all that you offers us. We want to thank you, Lord, that there's salvation for everyone who believes. And so right now, Lord, I ask that you will bless this congregation, bless our time of fellowship together, Lord, and we pray your blessing over the food and the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.